This is Salt to Taste, a podcast about extraordinary food and the people behind it. Brought to you by Panna, the cooking app that gives you step-by-step video recipes for master chefs. episode, you'll hear the story of Chef Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis is the chef and owner of Q in Miami. Before opening Q in February of 2016, Michael cut his teeth working under world-famous chefs like Eric Repair and Jean Georges. Michael's cooking is inspired by his extensive travels, and particularly influenced by traditional methods of Japanese grilling. I'm Michael Lewis. I am the chef, the founder and the owner of Q Restaurant in uh, Miami, Florida, in the Wynwood area. Um, Q's been open for about 16, 17 months now. Wynwood's got this very famous outdoor art exhibit. Yeah, the walls. Awesome. Yeah. And I was out there checking out the walls, and I just got this wafting smell of, I bet it was barbecue brisket. Most that likely, was, yeah. That was ripping. I don't know, I just somehow, I just hunted down. I found my way to the restaurant, which actually isn't exactly that direct a route to find. And, um... Yeah, because we're just behind the walls. I was going to find this restaurant no matter what happened. And, um, I think it was like the first week you opened, probably. Just about. And it was lunchtime. And, unfortunately, you weren't serving barbecue then at lunch, which was totally depressing. I, I was like mildly depressed but then I had everything else that you make on the menu and wow yeah it's going very very well um set out to be you know very simple but keep it very interesting um and so far it's been super well received especially by the locals I mean simple and interesting usually are not two words you put together I mean the truth is the simplest dishes when it comes to being a chef tend to be the hardest to make. The less ingredients you use, the more important the quality of the ingredients, the sourcing of the ingredients, the technique that goes behind cooking of the ingredients is. So at the end of the day, what is, you know, what we put on a plate is simple. You know, it's brisket on a plate. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's Wagyu brisket, and it's seasoned with black sashimi pepper, and it's smoked for 12 to 14 hours, and it's very technique-driven, and there's some a lot of, you know, really cool, you know, garnishes that go with it, but at the end of the day, it's a slice of brisket on a plate. I didn't know it was Q. I just thought it was like KYU. Yep. When I first saw it, how, how did that happen? What's Q? Q came out of really just playing with some names. Um, I mean, I knew I wanted to do this Asian flavored, you know, kind of central Texas style barbecue. So basically I knew I wanted to do barbecue, but it's not all that we do. You know, it's, it's yes, like a small piece. Of it really is a small piece. It's a very central piece of what mm-hmm. we do, but it is, it's a small piece because there's so many, you know, vegan dishes, vegetarian dishes, you know, fish dishes, rice dishes, all this stuff. It really is really, really quite light and bright and and airy that I didn't want it to all just be about barbecue because then immediately your mind goes to, Mm. 
Budweiser, sawdust on the floor, honky tonk music. Um, and you know, that's not what, that's not what we are. That's not what Miami is. And I didn't want to have this perception. Oh, I get it. Q. It really came up as like playing with like barbecue type names and then they all just kind of... But it's got like an Asian kind of spelling. Exactly. So Dude, it really plays on yakiniku. And yakiniku is the Japanese word for Korean barbecue. Oh. I was like, hot. really? That's kind of like what we do. You're like a white dude from where? I'm born in Baltimore, grew up in New York. Right, and you're doing like all this Asian shit. Yep. Like how did, how did all this happen? Because like you're like, I mean, you really know what you're doing with Asian cuisine. I mean, the Asian cuisine came from, you know, like I said, I kind of, I grew up in the kitchens in New York, right? So I did a stage at La Bernadette um, for like eight months. Not even sure Eric Repair knew I was there most of the time. No. I was in the basement just filleting fish, you know, day in, day out. And it just kept going every single day, hoping that I would get a job. Um, I think they were just so busy at that time. Um, just really didn't know I was there. Um, kind of ran out of money. I had to get a job that actually paid me. Ended up at uh, Boulay Bakery. Boulay Bakery and then Danube. Still, we haven't gotten to the Asian influence here. No. But I'm cooking a Danube. I worked my way through the ranks. Um, ended up working the, you know, the meat station, basically kind of morning time sous chef. They didn't really have a sous chef in the morning. Jean-Georges, um, and his crew used to come into Danube at least once a week. Really? Yeah. They love the place. A friend of mine in Danube was a really good friend of the, uh, chef de cuisine as Jean-Georges. And then we all kind of started hanging out. Anyway, started working at Jean-Georges. I started, you know, as, as a line cook, worked my way up to sous chef and worked my way up to chef de cuisine. Um, and even though, you know, Jean-Georges is a three Michelin star, classic service, you know, kind of French at heart, Jean-Georges doesn't really cook all that French. There's so much, you know, kind of Thai influence, right. Asian influence, so much ginger and chilies and all of these fresh herbs and everything that are very, very Asian. It's fusion. It's fusion. I don't love using that word a no, lot because a lot a of really people. it's a bad word. Yeah, fusion, confusion, and, and, and all of this kind of thing. Um, but he does it right. He does it right. Yeah, I mean. It, all of his food is just bright, interesting. Tasty. Delicious. Yep. So John George nine, is nine the beginning years. of your Asian. Yep. Your so nine Asian. years with John George. Quite a few years as a chef de cuisine as John George at One Central Park West. And I went and did some openings with him, um, helped him out in a bunch of restaurants. I mean, we're talking the Bahamas, Paris, um, Miami, Dubai, London. Um, I ended up in London for a while. You know, at this point, I've been with John George for, for about nine years. Realized that I was cooking these, you know, 16, 12, 14, 16 course tasting menus of, you know, kind of hot cuisine, super fancy. Oh. And then I realized that I don't eat that way. I don't eat that very often. A disconnect yeah, between head and heart. And that's all I had ever done. I had always done these Michelin star restaurants. And I realized that I wanted to do something that was a little bit closer to the way I like to eat. And I got an offer to have an interview with the guys at Zuma. Um, Reiner Becker, who's a 
was the original chef, the chef, and uh, the founder of that restaurant. Sat down and talked to him. Thought he was a really big cool guy. Big restaurant in London, right? Big restaurant in London. Super, super popular, Asian. famous. Yeah, straight Japanese. I think he describes it as authentic but not traditional. And then ended up working at Zuma for so that's where six you, years. That's where you really honed. That's where it went from Asian times. influence to pure love of Asian. Not to mention I was living in London, so flights to Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, you Hong went. Kong, Shanghai. Did you cook there? Yes. So you cooked in all those crazy places. Yeah. Yeah. And Zuma had locations in Hong Kong and Bangkok, Istanbul, and everything. From like, you know, the the guys on the streets with their little hawker carts, like just making the most simplest stuff to, you know, the, the, Snake the Michelin to the Michelin starred super fancy. And so like at what point do you say to yourself, I've had enough it happens to every really good chef, right? Yep. Where they're like, look, I'm done doing other people's stuff. I got to do my own thing. Yeah, I mean, it's actually one of the... It's kind of scary, right? <clears throat> oh, it's terrifying. It's everything you think is going to be going into business for yourself. It's super exciting. It's, you know, it's very, very interesting. It's super cool. It's absolutely fucking terrifying and, and, and super stressful. You know, people kind of think, oh, it's just food or, you know, it's just some eggs and some rice and stuff. No, but they don't take into the, the stove, the, the, the exhaust fans, the amount of air conditioning that you need, um, tables and chairs and everywhere. Everyone generally like, thinks people who do this are crazy. Yeah, it's so not. I don't know what you think. There's <laughs> anyone 800 thinks million pieces that go into it. So um, you go, you take this giant risk. You yep. step to the edge. You say, fuck it, I'm going to just do this. You find a partner. Yep. And bought the space in January last year and opened on February 15th. I mean, that's six like, weeks. That's six weeks. Six weeks. This is the, f I have opened probably. But dude, I mean, I was there like literally, literally one week. So Miami. Every after day. you literally. opened and like but, I, you would not have known that the paint was still drying on that place. I mean, that's, you know, that's uh, one of the most important parts and where a lot of chefs kind of stop is the consistency, man. I spent a lot of time coming up with these recipes and you've seen the recipes, they're down to the last gram of salt right. and they work every time. Right. It was a ton of work from, from me and my sous chef to just make everything with them day in, day out, day in, day out. What's happening now is that, you know, there's a lot of chefs uh, that are my age or a little bit younger that have worked for, you know, the, the Jean Georges, the David uh, Boulez, the Daniel Balouz, the, mm -hmm. you know, all of these guys that have been in and out of South Beach in some way, shape or form. Um, the festival or something. Yeah, exactly. A festival uh, uh, are coming up to do their own thing now. So what I think is really hot about Miami is that it's, it's, it's all local kids, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's all local kids, not all, but mostly local kids doing some really cool stuff mm -hmm. that spent their time in different cities or doing different things with different people, and now they're putting their own spin on it. Um, and it's not just, you know, huge restaurant tours coming in like a Vegas. Right. It's huge restaurant tours doing huge operations and big hotels. It's, you know younger kids doing cool little spots and cool little neighborhoods 
and they're building the neighborhoods. And now those neighborhoods are becoming something. Are you a monster in the kitchen? Is it rough? Is it like everybody gets a little bit of like cushion time where we're all just meditating together? <laughs> what's what's going on in the kitchen? Honestly. Um, <clears throat> honestly, like, you know, I'm intense, but uh -huh. I'm quiet. I like the kitchen to be quiet. Um, I like the kids to get on with their work. I don't get angry. There's no point. I'm not a yeller. I'm not a screamer. But when it does get to that point, and uh, it'll happen a couple times a year. Or and it's it's ugly. They, they remember, you know, it's it's a good reset, you know, maybe, maybe once a month, maybe once every two, three months, every I just lose my while, shit you take on everyone. And throw them on the floor. Exactly. Everyone goes, oh, shit, we pissed off chef. We like that guy. Let's not do that again. And it's like, okay, cool. All right. So tonight, if you were rolling home, it was just you and your wife, kids being watched by the grandparents. What are you going to throw down? Like, what's the throwdown meal tonight? To make the wife super happy, honestly, we'd be making a little sashimi, Ooh. some nigiri, Ooh. and a little bit of maki rolls at home. Wow. Because there are so few places in Miami that do it that aren't this super expensive, you know? Oh. I love Zuma. I love Nobu. I love all of these restaurants. But, but when really I go expensive. and eat the way I want to eat, it's like 500. It's, it's, a, it's a few hundred bucks, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And I know growing up in New York that I could have that same meal at, a, you know, at like a blue ribbon sushi or... It's probably 70 bucks. Exactly. So if it's not for her and it's for you, what's your jam? Honestly, I go super clean, super classic. So I'd be like roasting a whole chicken with some whole potatoes, chicken. herbs, lemon. I'd be like roasting a whole fish with like, you know, fresh summer squash and some more herbs and some more, you know, lemon. Um, so it's just really clean, simple. Just clean and simple. Let the ingredients. And, and if I'm doing the cooking, I really like kind of the, the one pan wonder type thing. Right. So I, you know, I want to thank you for the day and for coming up and doing this. And if you people listening get down to Miami, I mean, you'd be crazy not to go to Wynwood and check Wynwood out, which is, it's amazing, and Q is like, it's definitely one of my favorite restaurants. Did that whet your appetite? Head over to panacooking.com or download our app. Up next on Salt to Taste. Well, in North Carolina, when you say North Carolina, people automatically think of Charlotte and Raleigh because it's the two major cities in North Carolina. Nobody thinks of Eastern North Carolina, and so I always guide people to ask when I when they say, "Where are you from?" Well, where is Skylight in Aiden, North Carolina? And I make them ask. I want them to know specifically where we're from. And to most people, there's probably nothing special about Eastern North Carolina, but it's home. This episode was produced and mixed by Misha Youssef with help from Stephanie Rausch.